join me in prayer as we pray for the, the word of the Lord. Father, we're grateful to you for the privilege we have of being in your presence, of having your word accessible to us, a word that is forever settled in heaven, a word that is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to hear your word and, and Father, and by it, be strengthened to serve you and obey you with joy. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. As we read from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, and then from the gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Hear the word of the Lord. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly. And they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And from the Gospel of Luke, Jesus in the synagogue. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes, thanks be to God. You may be seated. You know, joy can be an elusive thing. 
And people struggle with not having joy in their lives. The Barna Research Group recently released a study on, on Generation Z. You know who they are. That Generation Z are those who were born between 1997 and 2012. And, but the Barna Research Group had these findings, that 8 of 10 or 82% of Generation Z report having endured at least one traumatic experience. And then social media is not helpful either. Barna's research showed that young women are significantly more likely than young men to associate social media with negative emotions such as feeling critical of myself, 39% of young women versus 28% of young men, or feeling insecure, 33% of young women versus 22% of young men. Feelings of, of isolation, 26% of young women versus 21% of young men. And then more than half of Generation Z, or 56%, say they tend to expect the worst to happen. And this means that more and more young people, do, they don't have joy in living. And it's no different for adults these days, you know, during lockdowns and the media telling us that we are under constant threat from, if you're on the left, the conspiracy theory insurrectionists of January 6, 2021, or if you're on the right, the, the radical left-wing progressives destroying our freedoms, or, or global warming melting the polar caps. Joy, yeah, joy is elusive. But there is a place where joy can capture you. Because what is, what is the source of your joy? The culture tells you that you make joy yourself. Some make their family the source of their joy. Or they make their spouse the source of their joy, their work the source of their joy, money sex or, or their sexuality, power, politics. But when these fail, and they will, they fall into despair. But what, but what if the Lord is the source of joy? Then it's his joy. His joy is your strength. When his joy is your strength, then there's nothing that can take away joy, even when life deals you hurts. Joy is in the Lord's presence, and those who are in his presence witness his joy. This is, listen, this is what, listen to what the psalmist says. These are just a few verses. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's Psalm 1611. In Psalm 21.6 it says this, For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. 
In Isaiah 65, verses 18 and 19, But be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. And in Zephaniah 317, which is my favorite, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult or joy over you with what type of singing? Loud singing. Put your hearing aid down. Hear the joy of the Lord. So as we look at these verses and you hear these verses, what is the joy of the Lord? Well, here's, here's my definition. The joy of the Lord is the delight and pleasure that God himself has when he does his creating, saving, and good work on behalf of his people. And the joy that God takes in his creating, saving, good work on behalf of his people becomes the source of his people's joy. And to know the joy of the Lord, we have to direct our hearts. This is, I'm talking to you, the people of God. To know the joy of the Lord, you have to direct our hearts. We have to direct our hearts to hear the word of God intelligently, worship God in community, celebrate generously, and locate joy's stronghold contextually. Now let's think about this. Let's look at verses uh, 1 through 3. Hearing the word, hear the word of God in, intelligently. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And so the story begins with the people of God gathering for the purpose of hearing the law of the Lord. Now, as you know, the story of Nehemiah, the wall at this point has been rebuilt and now, this first day of the seventh month, it's the, be, it's the beginning of, of the new year of their civil life. So, as, as, as it were, it, this is New Year's. It's a kickoff of, of memorials. It's, a, it's the trumpets. It's the Feast of Trumpets. It, and later in the month, it becomes the Feast of, 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 of Tabernacles and, and the Day of Atonement. So, it's memorials. It's involving repentance and celebrations. But what we, what we should pay attention to in the verse is that twice the text tells us about the men and the women and all who could understand. You know, this tells us that the law of the Lord is to be engaged with our minds intelligently. They were, they were to discern, to comprehend, to mentally distinguish the word of God. So this, this is, it isn't just mindlessly following God. No, no, this, this is to, it's to dismiss the word of God without engaging the mind. It's to, it's to miss the joy of the Lord. So your heart, your heart, your heart's not just your, it's not just that pumping 
organ in your body. That's not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about your, your, your mind, your, your emotions, your, your will, that that's the seat. Your heart is the seat of all of that. And if your mind is engaged in the word of God, it drives everything else. So your heart has to weigh the value of the word of God in order to know the joy of the Lord. And you hear how the people, how the people here valued the law. They sought Ezra. They came from their towns to, to Jerusalem to have the law of Moses read to them. They craved, and did you notice in the text, they persisted for six hours. Whew. Boy, if I preach that long, y'all be running out here. Of course, you might have to get a stretcher for me. I don't I can. <laughs> You know, but they persisted in giving attention to God's word. You see, Jesus, Jesus expressed this same thing in, when, when, uh, after, after the wilderness. So what we see in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, this is 40 days, he's fasted, and he placed this kind of value on the word of God. And in Matthew 4, 4, it says this, because he, he answered, he answered Satan, and in his hunger, he would say, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he's quoting the law of Moses from the book of Deuteronomy. So the question is, do you know, do you know the value of God's word? What value do you place on it? You have, to, you, have to train, you have to train your heart to value the word of God. You know, you don't always know the value of some of the things that you have, do you? you, know, you know, yeah. Comic books or, or, or baseball cards or, or maybe, maybe it's, it's some, some silver that you received from, from a relative or, or something. And you don't know the value of it. You don't always know the value of what it is that you have. Do you know the value of the word of God? Do you know, do you know what, what it is that you, that you hold in your hand? And you have to train, you have to train your heart in, in, in understanding the value of the word of God. Because the, the joy of the Lord is tied to the word of the Lord. And if the, and if the Lord is to be your source of joy, you will need to value his word as much as you value food. So if you have more screen time than time in the word of God, joy will elude you. Video games and social media are, are distractions rather than sources of joy. Social media is, is a poor substitute for community. And to know the joy of the Lord, you not only need to, to hear the word of God intelligently, but you need to worship God in community. Look at verses 5 and 6. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. See, the joy of the Lord is experienced in worship as a community. You can't know the joy of the Lord in isolation. You notice here in the text, you notice their unity, notice their unity that, that they gathered as one man, the text tells us, men and women. And that's, that's significant because women weren't always present. They weren't allowed many times to come to the festivals. But here, men and women, they, and they had their own separate court in the, in the, in the temple yard. But as we notice, they're not in the temple. So notice the place where they, they worshiped. The water gate. 
the Watergate was, it's the public square. It's, it was downtown. It's, it's where commerce and, and business took place. It's where decisions were made. That's where they worshiped, the center of, of daily life there in the city. But notice, too, the posture of their worship. But they lifted their hands. It's a, a show of dependence. They bowed their, their heads and their faces to the ground. So they're prostrate on the ground in a, as a community of humility before the Lord. But notice, too, the, the help that was given in, in, in the worship. The Levites gave the, the sense of the word. And the scripture says they made it clear. And that's where we get the idea of expositional preaching. They made it clear so that people understood the reading. So worship was at the center of the community. You know, so, so like the centerpiece of, of our community, is, it's the worship of God. You know, Jonathan taught this for years in, in, in the Discover Grace, and now when I teach Discover's Grace, we talk about this same thing, that the centerpiece of our community is the worship of God. It's our unity. It encompasses our daily lives. And through it, our, our posture changes from proud independence to humble dependency on the Lord. We, it changes from self-importance to, to helping others. That's, that's the importance of the care team that was just introduced to you, you this morning. Uh, this, and this initiative that began in community and among the ministry leaders and, and the elders and wise and, and, the worship and the women's advisory board to better care for our community of worshipers. Doing just what Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says as we encourage one another. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if you're experiencing, if you're, if you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord in your life, check out how you are worshiping in community because it's central to knowing the joy of the Lord. And that joy then is expressed when we celebrate generously. Look at verses eight and 10. They read from the book, of, from the, book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready for this day is holy to our Lord. They say it's difficult to know the joy of the Lord and, and not celebrate. It's difficult to, to know the joy of the Lord and, and not have it make you generous. It's, to, it's meant to transform us. If you know the joy of the Lord, you won't be stingy or, or closed-hearted toward those who don't have. In the Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, I love, I love uh, the response that Scrooge's nephew Fred has to his uncle. You know, his uncle, his uncle, you know, you get that phrase, bah humbug, if you've seen the movie or any of those you know, variations of it. You know, but uh, in the book uh, here, here uh, Scrooge is, is 
bemoaning and, and, and he's showing his contempt for Christmas as he hears his nephew Fred wishing him a Merry Christmas. And he says, he says to him, bah, humbug. Much good may it do you. Much good it has ever done you. And his, his nephew replies, there are many things from which I might have derived good by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned the nephew. Christmas among the rest, but I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time when it has come round, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and, and origin, if anything belonging to it can be apart from that, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they really were fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a, a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. Yeah. Fred, Fred, Fred is changed. Fred, Fred, he responds to God's goodness. And like the community, you know, Ezra, Nehemiah, they tell him, go, eat, drink, send. As a community, respond to God's goodness. The joy of the Lord, it's meant to transform you. But it's only, it's only in the practice of celebrating and being generous in the community that the joy of the Lord is known. It's only in the practice. You know, think of it as, think of it as, as lifting weights. I know that a lot of you do that. You know, so if you're in the gym and you're, and, and you're there, you're there to, to bench press and somebody's sitting on the bench and you're saying, that, oh, hey, let's, let me know when you're done. And they're just sitting there. 10 minutes later, they're still sitting there. And you ask, what are you doing? I, I like the idea of lifting weights. <laughs> well, liking the idea, you know, it only benefits you if you lift the weights. You know, you, you, have, to, you have to practice it in order to get the benefit. So, what's the reason, what's the reason uh, to celebrate generously? Well, the text is, tells us, it tells us... That is, it's because it, it is the day, it's a day that is holy to the Lord. It's that, this is the reason for this celebration. This is why you celebrate generously. It's not because of something that you've achieved, but it's because of what God has done, which means we have to locate, locate joy's stronghold contextually. Look at verse 10 again. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Stop crying, he says. You know, has anyone ever said that to you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you heard it as a kid a lot too, didn't you? Stop crying. He's saying, stop crying. Because this verse literally says to you, the joy of the Lord is your stronghold. 
And you know what a stronghold is. It's a, it's the strong, a stronghold, it means it's, it's, it's a place and, and means of, of safety. A stronghold is a, a place of refuge. It's a, a place of defense. It's, it's a place of, of supply. Within the stronghold, you have everything that you need. You have supplies. You have food. You have extra weapons. You have more shields. You have everything that you need to survive whatever it is that the enemy outside of the walls is attempting to bring. The strong tower. It's a place of protection. And the Bible tells us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are saved. You know, they just built the walls. The wall, but the, here the text is reminding, it is the walls aren't, the, the walls, what you've accomplished, that's not what keeps you safe. The joy of the Lord is your stronghold. The passage gives us two contexts for this stronghold of place and, and time. As you go, he says, as you go your way in the course of your life, in the midst of social interactions, among your neighbors, in the public square, you live in the celebration of what God has done for you. And, and you share that joy with others. You send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. Why? Because... It is this day. It is today. It's the, the, other, the, other, the other context. The day is holy to our Lord. And for us as believers, that's every day. It's every day. In the context, what day? Nehemiah 8.2 says here in, in, the, in the text that it's the first day of the seventh month, as we talked about earlier. It's the start of their calendar year. It's New Year's Day. You know, and, and it's a remembrance of, of how God has provided, how he has delivered, how they have, yeah, the wall has been built. There's feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Day of Atonement, all of that is coming. And that first day of the seventh month is a time that too commemorated that the altar had been restored as you look back in, in the book of Ezra. And, the, and every, everything is set. They're now safely, feeling safe, back in the land. But, so it's not a time to mourn and to be given to grief. And you know, often, often too much mourning, too much grief it can result in, in self-pity or results from self-pity and dwelling on how miserable you have been in your sin. But a time to celebrate, this is a time to celebrate the goodness and favor that God has shown. So locate joys, locate joys stronghold contextually. Consider the time and the place of, of where you are, but more importantly, consider that creating, saving, good work of the Lord's is unchanging. That is the stronghold of your joy. You see, Jesus does this in Luke chapter 4, verse 21, when he, when he, when he breaks down the text of Isaiah and says, and he began to say to them, today, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Today, in your hearing, the joy is in the scripture being fulfilled. And what is the scripture saying? Well, the text is saying that the one who brings good news to the poor, who proclaims liberty to the captives, who recovers sight to the blind and liberates the oppressed is present. He's here with you. He's proclaiming to you right now the acceptability of the Lord, that God is being gracious and welcoming to you today. 
See, Jonathan Edwards, in a little book entitled, you know, The End for Which God Created the World, he's right, he writes about God bringing us into his fullness. And he says this, he says, the delight God experiences in the happiness of his creatures cannot properly be said to be a delight that he receives from them. After all, their happiness is only the effect of his work in them. Their delight and joy come as God communicates himself to them, not the other way around. God allows his creatures admittance to participate in his fullness. That is where their pleasure, delight, and joy are derived. It's God's work on our behalf. The the, see, the location of joy's stronghold contextually is a call to center our joy in the Lord's work on our behalf. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not our accomplishments. Not how many letters you have after your name. Those are good, but they don't save. It's not the, build, it's not the building of, of, of your walls. It's not, the, it's not the, the construction of your altars. No, but it's the Lord's favor, God's grace to us. Joy remains elusive if you're trying to earn the favor that God has given to you in Christ. Because trying to earn God's favor will kill you. And you'll die trying but never earning God's welcome. As brothers and sisters, you know there was only one man who died for the favor of God. is Jesus Christ. And he died not to earn God's favor but to give to all his people the favor of God. See, Jesus had God's favor. Remember at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He already had God's favor, but for his people to have it, he was crushed. Put to death for us. Why? But the scripture tells us that this is the joy that's, that's set before Jesus in Hebrews 12 too. It tells us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, saving is Jesus' delight. Hallelujah. And if you are the one whom he has saved, then you have the right to have his joy be your strength. See, the people of God in Nehemiah's days, they didn't know what we know today. You know, they didn't know about Jesus. So, so if you are in Jesus, you, you are in the stronghold of joy. Do you see? Jesus is the fulfillment of Psalm 1611. He is the path of life. He is the fullness of joy. The pleasures that are forevermore, it's because Jesus is at the Father's right hand. Psalm 21 and verse 6 is most fitting for Jesus Christ, who is the king who is most blessed forever. Through Jesus, all whose faith is in him are made glad with the joy of God's presence. If you're here, can I talk to you for a minute? I know it's, time is, is, is just about up. It, well, it is up. But <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I talk to you 
Generation Z, and, and, and you who aren't Generation Z, millennials, baby boomers, whatever you are, Generation X, all the, all the, you know, can, can I talk to you for a moment about the salvation of our Lord? As if your head is, is looking down at your cell phone, I want you, I want you to hear me just for a moment. What, what can compare to the salvation of our Lord? What are, what, are you going, what are you going to find on social media as, you, as you're reading you know, that, that's, that's equal to the salvation of our Lord? You know, so, I mean, you're young, you're, you're, you're looking at your cell phone, and, 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 and you're, sometimes, you know, people walk into cars, Looking at their, looking at their, their looking at their phone. So you, you know, what is it? What is it that you're reading in in, in chat rooms? You know, there 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 are adults. There are people behind these things, and and sadly enough, often they're they're seeking to seduce you. They're 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 look. They despise your innocence. They don't have your good in mind. And yet you're reading this stuff and you're taking it in and you feel like you can relate to it, but it's seducing you. What can compare to the salvation of our Lord? What conversation are you going to have in some chat room that speaks joy into your life enough to deliver you from sin and death? Does the salvation of our Lord it frees those who are captive under the bondage of their efforts to find joy on their own. It frees them from self-righteousness. It recovers sight for those who are too blind to see the salvation of the Lord. It's good news for the poor who are too bankrupt to have any righteous capital in their account with God. The salvation of our Lord gives liberty to the sin oppressed. It's good news of the Lord's grace today. And there's no circumstance, there's no traumatic event that has occurred or will occur that can ever change that. Hallelujah. So come, Christians, join the sing. Let's pray. Our Father, your joy and your delight in creating, in saving, and doing your good work, work that you declared is good, is the source of our joy. Oh, Father, open our eyes that we might continually see that even in these days when, when so much around us and so many things and so many people and voices are, are trying to tell us that our joy is located elsewhere, but it is you. It is you. And thank you that you are faithful to your word. Help us, Lord, to value it so much that we, oh Lord, are not moved at anything from some well-meaning person trying to affirm us. Oh Lord, may we find our affirmation in Jesus Christ who gave his life for us and has loved us with an everlasting love and in whose name we pray, amen.